welcome to Beyond the Crucible. I'm Warwick Fairfax, the founder of Crucible Leadership. I could have easily just sat back and let the grief swallow me. You know, and there was points when I'd wake up in the morning and think, well, what's this all about? You know, the, the sadness and emptiness I felt for a while was 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 too much at times to, to really bear. And I actually thought to myself, well, why? I, I, am, I was 28 at the time, I'm 46 now. And the choice I made was to, I've had to go through this. So the toughest deal is made in the hottest fires. You know, we are given experiences to help others. And my experience of losing my sister and mum has given me this energy to, to, to do whatever it takes to help people. Have you been through, are you going through right now, some of your life's hottest fires? This week's guest, Ian Dibb, has some words of comfort for you if you are. From the ashes of your crucibles are born the strength and wisdom to not only survive, but to live life dedicated to serving others. Hi, I'm Gary Schneeberger, co-host of the show. Dibb's hottest fires were the deaths of his sister and his mom within months of each other, life-rattling tragedies that birthed his calling. He turned his pain into purpose after struggling to settle the estates left behind by his loved ones, an experience that led him to launch Kilu, an online portal that helps users organize their assets for those they'll one day leave behind. But as he tells me and Warwick in our interview, his efforts are about more than just keeping important documents in order. They're also about preserving important memories that give your legacy its greatest meaning. So before we get a bit into your crucible story, just give us a bit of the background of Ian Dibb and some of the threads that make you who you are and maybe have led to what you do now, but tell us a bit of the backstory of you and your family and yeah. Yeah, so I was uh, born in Liverpool. Uh, we lived there. Mum was a GP. My dad uh, worked for the British Medical Association. I had an older sister, Jane. I've got two younger sisters, Amy and Beth. Um, yeah, and we moved down to Cornwall when we were five. Um, beautiful place. It's it's a great place to for, for me as a dad now. I mean, and this was my mum's reasoning for moving to Cornwall. It's a safe place. You know, it's it's. There's, there's not much going on. It's quite sleepy. We're, we're four-hour flight from London, which is incredible. Um, but at the same point, for me, it's been an absolute blessing. We yeah, moved out to Cornwall when we were five, um, attended school, did the normal stuff, part of a family of six. And it's just been a journey. You know, I, I'm one of these guys who never really looks at the end destination. I enjoy the day-to-day. Um, believe we're very much on a, on a journey, which none of us knows what's going to happen. But I just embrace it. And it's something I've always said to my family about it. I don't care what they become, but as long as they're better people and they leave this world a better place, they came into it. So that might be they become the next uh, prime minister or it might be they just become somebody who cares for people and makes a difference to their lives. So, yeah, my background went to university in Worcester, um, not, not too far from actually Warwick in the UK. After I left university, I decided I wanted to see, to see the world. So I left and went through Thailand, Malaysia, um, ended up in New Zealand, living there for a while. Uh, and it was while I was in New Zealand, actually, my crucible story really took effect. Hmm. Okay, wow. Well, uh, yeah, talk about that. That's a great, uh, that's a great lead in. So um, yeah, so in New Zealand, and yeah, so talk about what happened next. Yeah, so, so I was living in New Zealand. Um, it was it was amazing. It's such a beautiful place and a place I would have dearly liked to stay. Uh, and while I was traveling, my mum, my Anne, uh, was a GP and she was complaining about back pain uh, for the best part of 12 months. But just put it down to some kind of pulled muscle. Um, so we kind of, I spoke to mum daily, um, would still love to speak to mum daily. Um, but while I was there, I received a phone call from mum. And uh, the, the message was, Ian, your sister's gone missing. And to most people, it wouldn't be that much of a big deal. But my sister Jane had been suffering from bipolar for the best part of 18 years. Um, numerous suicide attempts in her life, every single one of them had failed, unfortunately. But this was, this was a different occasion. So a week later, I got another phone call from mum about half past one in the morning. 
Um, and that could only mean one thing. And I got the call from mom and it said, Ian, we, we found your sister and she had taken her own life. And it was, it was devastating, you know, absolutely devastating. As much as you know, when you, one of your loved ones has bipolar, there was a high chance you might lose them. You never really think it's going to happen. So, yeah, I, I flew back from New Zealand, back to the UK. Uh, I think it was the following day and started the preparations for my, my sister's funeral. So I was 26 at the time. Jane was 28. I'm back in the UK for two weeks dealing with the funeral. From And also my sister just bought a house, so having to deal with, with that as well. Then my mum, eventually we went into hospital late one evening and she was diagnosed with stage four terminal cancer. So that back pain uh, actually turned out to be a grapefruit-sized tumour underneath her lung. And as a doctor, mum knew exactly what that diagnosis meant. So yeah, it went from a family of six within a two-year period to losing two of the most inspirational people I've ever met. And yeah, it, it was a point in your life where you either just let this wash over you and, and have a really, let grief take hold of you and destroy you, or you actually say, well, if this has happened to me, how many other millions of people is this going to happen to? And why does it need to happen in the way it happened to me? What can be done to make a difference to these people's lives? So yeah, that, that it was it was a dreadful time in my life, but off the back of that, it's given me a absolute mission to help other people who will eventually go through the same situation. So, talk a bit about you mentioned you know your mom and sister were inspiration. Just talk about who they were as people and why they had such a massive influence in your life. So, my mum, as I mentioned, was a GP, and but she was just one of the funniest most caring people I've ever known. She's just super kind, super caring. And she, for me, I, I looked to mum and it, went, it was 5.30 and I'd be looking at the door waiting for her to come in. You know, I would spend hours listening to her, just being with her. And mum and dad didn't have the best relationship. So I, I kind of always made sure mum was okay. So from the, from the day I left the university to the day she passed away, I probably either spoke to her or saw her every day. And my sister Jane didn't have it easy. So for 18 years, she suffered from bipolar. She was a teacher. She was an incredible teacher. And she would often put herself into really difficult situations or places to kind of challenge herself. And she didn't have an easy time, but she kept positive. They, they never lost their faith right to, right, right to the end. And as a, as, as a non-believer at the time or somebody who had taken a step off the, off the track, to see them go through what they did and maintain their faith and love was was unbelievable and that I've, I've been blessed you know we haven't had the easiest of life but even to have I think the best part of 28 years with mum and 26 years with Jane you know it's not about how long you have it's about the time you have with that person so they they are still the people that when things go well in my life or things go bad I want to pick up the phone and speak to them uh I can't anymore but yeah we, I was blessed for those, for those years I did have them you know you mentioned your mum had a very strong faith. Just talk about talk about that and the impact it had in your life. Because in some ways, she sounds like almost like a a role model of a mother and a human being. That just a lot of people have difficult parents, but it sounds like you had about as good a mother as it's humanly possible to have. So just talk about her and her faith and the impact it had on your life. It's it, faith is one of the most interesting things um, that I couldn't understand why when mum had been dealt with some of the, the toughest cards you can be, you know, a daughter with bipolar, a, a, a failed marriage, uh, your own terminal diagnosis, but yet to still smile and shine. It just shows you actually that there's got to be something behind this. And I would continually, we had this kind of jokey relationship when mum says, look, Ian, I'm not concerned. He's going to get you. You will become a believer, you know? <laughs> and I was like, no, mum, that's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then one day, uh, it was probably five, six years ago, that I, I, I attended an alpha course, walked into the alpha course, and instantly felt this peace flood over me like I hadn't felt for the best part of 10 years. You know, it, it was incredible, this peace I felt. And I instantly felt a small section of what mum had been blessed with as a Christian her entire life. And one of the things mum had written in her um, Bible was, my children will find faith through their spouses. And my wife found God two years before me. And my wife was the one who got me onto the Alpha course. And all of a sudden, all these things which I used to put down as a coincidence actually started making sense. And even when mum was on her final day, she said, Ian, you don't need to worry about me. I'm going to a better place. And she was completely at peace, you know, completely at peace with where she was going. And 
I just remember on her final day, she was in the hospice. It's quite late at night and I spent the evening with her and she turned around and looked over her shoulder and she said to me, Ian, I love you. And that was the last thing I've ever heard from mum. And it's the thing that sticks in my heart that somebody who had been through so many difficulties had the strength to inspire, even at the very last minute. So how did you sort of get beyond that? Because listeners are probably going to be thinking, you know, they had obviously Faith, your sister, Jane, and your mum, and you go through that, a lot of people would be pretty angry. A lot of people would say, she, you know, maybe some people, quote unquote, could deserve to die sooner sometimes we humanly think so but mum no way not her mm-hmm. she's a saint it makes no sense you know I, I needed a few more decades with her you know I don't want to mm-hmm. I mean how did you deal with what I'm for most people would be sort of anger frustration how did you get beyond that I mean I'm assuming you felt that yeah, uh, horrifically losing Jane was tough because Jane was 28 and she was at the start of her life she she just bought a brand new house the week before she took her own life and the pressure of that was too much and unfortunately in the way my sister took her life there was no way back most of the time she would find a way back from it so there was a part of me saying if i was in the uk at the time could i have helped would i have been there so you've got that kind of survivor guilt to a certain level and with mum, I would have given my own life for my mum in a heartbeat in the same way as I would my daughter. You know, you don't even need to ask me that question. I would be there. You know, I'd put myself and switch instantly. So for a lot of time, there was there was a, there was a kind of a, an immediate anger, especially with God, to say, how can you let this happen? You know, this is one of your best disciples, somebody who's loved you and worshipped you since the day they were born. But then there was a kind of off switch which was a kind of numbness, which just takes over. So the grief goes, you kind of, you go for a period of just existing. So there's, you don't have the super highs, you don't have the super lows, you just can, you continue to, to, to progress. From the outside, everything looked rosy. You know, my friends would have said, he's the life and soul of the party. But inside, I was just feeling almost empty. And then it really only changed when my daughter was born. And she came into the world. I go, okay, I can't do this anymore. Now I'm a dad. And my job now is to give my daughter the safest, most loving environment I can to know that I will do anything for her. And it, it changed It changed everything. But there was still that underlying uh, sadness, which, which probably lasted between six and 10 years. And it really only fully disappeared when I walked into to the church on the Alpha course that evening. And it was like being jet washed with love. And it wasn't just from the pastor. It was just this peace I felt. It's what's it probably now, six years I've been a Christian. And it, don't get me wrong, it hasn't given me the easiest times in the world. You know, I still have my challenges. I still have tough days. I have amazing days. But off the back of the Alpha course and my growing faith and my, my family's faith as well, I have a peace. And I like, like my sisters, unfortunately, aren't in the same place as me they still they still take uh, anti antidepressants quite a lot to get to get through this um i'm trying to get them to come on the alpha course with me because i know it'd be incredible for them but that unfortunately in, in the female side of our family we have got this depressive gene and my my mum's mum had it my mum had it to a certain level obviously my sister jaylee took her own life and my younger sisters have the same kind of gene which runs through the family but i'm always uh, the kind of guy who will try and bring lightness you know, be the be. I, I say that I'd like to be the lighthouse on the cliff. You know, providing safety and somewhere these people can go to, and always there for for them. Uh, in the same way as my mum always was. You know, you mentioned earlier just about choice, and one of the things we say on you know beyond the crucible all the time is, you go through a horrific tragedy like you did in the space of what was it like, eighteen months? You know, losing a sister and a mum you know, beloved sister and mom, you could have been angry and bitter against God, against yourself. Gosh, if I'd only been in the UK and not New Zealand, maybe I could have saved my sister, which is unknowable. But the the unknowable things are often the ones that taught to you the most. You can't prove that it's wrong, that there's nothing you could have done. It's not like, oh, I'm convinced I couldn't have. You can't prove that case. So because it's unknowable, that's the kind of thing that can haunt you. So, you know, you had a choice in which one side would be for the rest of your life, the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years to be angry at God and angry at yourself. 
and, you know, gone to, I don't know, drugs, alcohol, or there's all sorts of manner of destructive behaviors. Mm-hmm. But you, cho- you, you made a choice not to go there. And I would, you know, part of it was your face. I talk about just, because there are some folks that are listening today, maybe they've lost loved ones and they're angry at themselves and God. And how, what would you say to folks like that? I mean, what, is it, what does it mean to make that choice? Talk about that choice and what that meant for you. Yeah, there's a quote I love by Winston Churchill, which is, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> so so why would you stay in a place which is painful? And and I, luckily through my experience, I'm connected to some incredible people who've lost far more than I ever will. You know, they, these, these people have lost children and they've lost so much. And yet these are the people who say, well, I'm going to make a difference because I don't want anyone else to go through this. So... I could have easily just sat back and let the grief swallow me, you know? And there was points when I'd wake up in the morning and think, well, what's this all about? You know, the, the sadness and emptiness I felt for a while was 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 too much at times to, to really bear. And I actually thought to myself, well, why? I, I, am, I was 28 at the time, I'm 46 now. And the choice I made was to, I've had to go through this. So the toughest steel is made in the hottest fires. You know, we are given experiences to help others and my experience of losing my sister and mum has given me this energy to, to to do whatever it takes to help people you know and and it was it was quite late one night we received an email into into the platform of somebody whose son had, had joined our, our website and had, had, had sadly passed away and we took his mum for the process of, of dealing with the estate and he'd left her a message and that one message was, if that's all we ever achieved at Keeler was enough, because it gave her peace of mind that she had done all, her, all she could for her son and how much she loved her. And for the entire team at Keeler, it just blew our minds that we'd made a difference. And so many people go through life without really making a difference. They exist and they have a lovely time and go on their holidays, but they don't make the difference. I want to save people from the pain I've been through. You know, I could, if it was 10 people, 100 people, a million people, that's my mission. You know, to get people thinking ahead and actually to make you think, well, if this is going to happen to me, what can I do to make this easier for my loved ones? And I guess in life, that's something we all do. You know, we keep our children safe. We do all we can to make sure we provide a safe environment. And that's what I want you to create. I want you to give people a place where they can do something to help their loved ones. So let's talk about Keelers. So, how did that happen? I mean, it's a magnificent concept, as we'll hear, but what were you doing at the time professionally? What was life like? And what were those strands that led to Kilo happening? So after mum passed away, I, I was uh, working for a print company running their digital studio. And it was a simple job. It didn't take too much mind power, which is what I needed after, after losing mum. And I remember sitting around my, my sister's house one evening. And it just came into my head, actually, why, why don't people plan for this? And it, it was, and I, so I sat around with the family and said, look, guys, if, if I built this, would you use it? And it was 100%, yeah, absolutely. This, this would have made our life so much easier with mum and with Jane. So then I asked a few more people and a few more people uh, and said, look, if I built this platform, would you use it? And back then, it wasn't Keely. We, we were called Once I've Gone. So what happens once I've gone? What happens to your information once I've gone? And so, so once I've gone came from a simple conversation. So, uh, and then he just checked it with, with dozens and dozens of people saying, if I built this platform, would you use it? And so we built a very early stage platform way before people were using technology as they are today. It was too early. Um, so we, we parked it for, for a few years and then technology has since caught up. And as a result of that, we rebranded as Kilo and uh, we wanted to not really just focus on end-of-life planning. You know, it's no matter, even though we know we're all mortal and there will be a time we're not here, actually, we should be managing our lives on a day-to-day basis. So really, Keely moved into the place where it's not focusing on planning for death, it's managing your life. And then if something happens, it's easier for your loved ones. So very much it's been a journey from initial sat on a table with a family to, to where we are today, Warwick. And I think from what you've said before there's a need for this but it's it's personal because talk mm-hmm. a bit about how 
it's not a judgment, but everything wasn't tied up in this night neat bow with papers and memories and photo albums and videos. And there wasn't a Kilu back when your mom and Jane died. But talk about how this is personal and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but to a degree, you don't want other people to go through what you went through. So just help the listener understand why this isn't just a business. It's very personal for you. Oh, hugely. So, so Jane, as I said, Jane was 28 when she passed away. She was a teacher. She, she had documents here, there and everywhere. Mum, 57 uh, GP, two or three filing cabinets full of data. Some of it was live, some of it wasn't. And it's, it really was a traumatic 16 months in my life trying to organize the, the estate administration and probate. Very difficult, especially when you're not prepared for it. But then the emotional side comes in that you've no longer got any opportunity to speak to that person. And I deeply miss hearing my mum's voice. So it's been 16 years with Jane, 18 years with mum. And what would I give for one soundbite from each of those people for me? You know, that would, that would be far more valuable than all the different assets they own. And off the back of that, it's, you, you start to realise that we spend a huge amount of time on our phones. You know, we, we capture photos and videos but how often do we turn the camera around and capture a moment with somebody and so so i one of one of the things we love to do is i taught my daughter alice to ride a bike and she as she rode off across the field i turned the camera around on myself and said alice it's your dad and you've just learned to ride your bike and you've no idea how proud i am of you and how much i love you and i store that in kilo because that is a unique moment in my child's life and it, that is what I wanted from my mum and my sister, that type of knowledge that there might be a point they wouldn't weren't in my life, but they'd planned for that. And so the, the, the emotional side that when somebody passes away, there's a lovely saying that when an old person dies, a library burns to the ground because all that knowledge that person contained is gone. And what we want to do with Kilo is actually help you to curate your own legacy. So recording messages, moments, favorite time songs you, you and your family love together so if something was to happen it's all passed on to them and you've basically done all you can to make sure that person has still got this unique link to somebody they loved yeah i just want to mention something just occurred to me um you know obviously kilo had you know didn't exist when my dad died in uh early 87 but uh or beyond but because my family was pretty prominent and most families are not in terms of wealth and status a fair amount is known about them. So my great-great-grandfather, you know, came out from uh, England uh, to Australia in the late 1830s, founded the whole John Fairfax limited uh, media empire. Because he was prominent back in the early 40s, when there were still folks that maybe had some uh, memory of him when they were small, uh, they wrote this loving portrait of him for the family. He died in the 1870s, so I have that book. I can't tell you how many times I've read it, how much that means to me. Now, most families don't have a book about their great-great-grandfather. We're talking five generations ago, like zero. Nobody has, I mean, maybe if you're, I don't know what, the Duke of Marlborough or some prominent, you know, English aristocrat, maybe you do. But for average person, they don't. But... You know, he was a person of very strong faith, an elder at his church. And so reading that, it means everything to me. When I came to faith in Christ at uh, St. Old Eights in Oxford, I felt like this is part of our heritage. But, you know, it, it means everything to have that. And uh, you know, there are some letters that, uh, you know, my grandfather wrote and a couple of letters that you know, my dad wrote me. Those are precious treasures, but most people don't have that. And so, um, talk about with Kilu, you know, obviously, you. how long ago did you start Kilu? So we, we originally started Kilu, in, uh, the, the concept was 2009, but as we mentioned, it was just too early. So in 2019, we relaunched and we put a, a bigger team behind it and we actually said, okay, this is the time, you know. We are now all using mobiles every single day. They, they've become a huge part of our life. Everything is now digital. So when you buy life insurance, car insurance, house insurance, you don't get them sent to you anymore. They're actually either emailed to you or you're given access to an online portal. But how many portals do you have to manage? The average person has about 80 to 100 passwords. They right. need to manage just to manage their lives. 
And one of the big downsides of this amazing digital change is that all of a sudden, if you're not there to actually link into those portals, that information is lost or, or extremely hard to find. There, there's a statistic in the UK that um, 25% of uh, cohabiting couples are completely in the dark over their partner's financial situation. And in the UK, there is around 200 billion in unclaimed assets. So bank accounts, savings accounts, pension portfolios. And it's only going to get worse. So it really is that where we, when we first came up with the idea, people, you still get your bank um, bank account details or your, your bank monthly uh, letters sent out to you. That doesn't happen anymore. So all of a sudden, it's only, we're going to build this knowledge gap that when somebody passes away, how are they supposed to find that information? You know, you've spent a fortune on your on your pension, but if your family don't know where that is, it's going to go unclaimed. Yeah, so so with Kilu, I mean, talk about how that's different than maybe you know, other financial institutions, estate planning folks. How is this different than what some people do? So there's, there are people out there that say, well, I've got a spreadsheet on my, uh, on my computer uh, or I've got yeah. some stuff in a Dropbox account. But what Kilu is, it's a very guided process. So from signing up to making sure all of your documents are in one place, everything is kept up to date. You've got the latest bank account. You've got the latest will. You've got all your life insurance. It actually gives you a process of from being one completely unorganized to, to two, knowing that everything is completely organized and up to date. So if something was to happen to you, it's really easy for your family to, man- to manage the probate, giving them time to grieve. And also saving them a huge amount of money that would be spending on, on, on specialists in this area. But also, whereas you look at Dropbox as an, an opportunity just to store documents, Kilo actually gives you the opportunity to curate your own legacy, leaving behind an incredible messages, memories, photos, videos, family recipes. It's all about you creating a gift for somebody else. And I think that's what this is. It's the, the last most precious gift you can ever pass on. Wow. So just talk about the peace of mind that having all those records and memories in one place gives, because it sounds like you went through, was it 16 months when you said a probate? Talk about how, you know, just that legacy that you can give to your loved ones by by having all this organized. Yeah. If, if, if you were to sit down with your family and say, look, okay, where are all my documents? Most people wouldn't have the clue where to start. And that's basically what you're doing by not planning. So the peace of mind is that with a click of a button, trusted contacts in your Kilo account can instantly download every single document they need to deal with the probate process. And that is with a touch of a button, they can then pass it on to a professional that says, here's everything my dad had from his pensions to his savings to his investments to his share certificates. It's all here. And then all of a sudden, you can then pass it on and the process of probate will be far quicker, far less painless. And my mother-in-law is going through this at the moment here in the UK. And I think they're 16, 18 months in on a simple one-bedroom flat in London with a savings account. It doesn't need to be this complicated. The reason it is this complicated, it takes months and months and months to find missing or lost assets. So by planning ahead and making sure everything is kept up to date, it just means that process is far easier for your loved ones. And at the same point, they can just get on dealing with the, the grief, which will come but this will make it easier. One of the things I love about what you've been saying, Ian, is that you've referred a couple of times to how these devices, these mobile devices, everybody has them. And I think we all feel sometimes, even though we're all really using them and into them, I'll raise my hand, I'm into uh-huh. them myself, but but what you've done in in a very real way is redeem them a bit from from the from the perception that they're time wasters, from the perception that they're distractors, from what we've all seen in restaurants when you sit down and you look over at the table next to you and people aren't talking, they're looking at their phones. You've redeemed that idea of taking that phone to create a document, uh, to create memories, to create a legacy for your family. And I, you said earlier that um, there's a saying that when, a, when an older person dies, it's like a library burns to the ground. What I love about what you're doing with Kilu is that you're, the legacy you're leaving is, is you're, you're using uh, technology to when, you, when someone dies, the, their loved ones inherit a library. Uh, they, they get a library full of both that financial legacy, which is so important, 
But as you indicated, even more important, more emotional, more meaningful is that is that emotional legacy that is able to be passed along. And that's a great one-two punch, and it's and it's 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 really important here at Beyond the Crucible because Warwick talks all the time about living. The reason you live a life on purpose, dedicated to serving others, is that it helps you live leave a legacy to be proud of. And that's one of the things that Kilu allows folks to do. Before I let Warwick ask the next question, though, I don't think that you've defined for everyone who's not uh, Cornish what Kilu means <laughs> and, and why you named it that. Yes. Yeah, so, so so we wanted a name which embraces family and protection. So the, the Cornish name for family is Taylor, T-E-Y-L-U. And the K comes from keep or your key information. So we combine the two words so basically, it's where you keep all the information for your family. Miraculously, all the domain names are available as well. So it's an absolute blessing. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, yeah, I love this concept of um, obviously keeping all the documents in one place, but just keeping memories. You know, it's so important. I think of your story and as you share about your mom and Jane, I'm guessing if you, you know, founded this company in 2019, a hundred years from then, let's say it's, you know, 2119, without this, how would your great, great, great grandkids, how would they know anything about your beloved sister and mother? They probably wouldn't, you know, unless there was a book written about them or whatever, they would, their memory would pass, but I'm sure you've probably recorded a bunch of videos and writings and other material, I'm guessing, about your mom and sister and certainly about yourself and, you know, your wife and, you know, kids, daughter, those memories will be preserved. So I know obviously it's early days in one sense, but imagine in a hundred years, the legacy that your ancestors will have that you don't probably have from your ancestors a hundred years ago. I mean, that's, does that make sense? I mean, you're giving a legacy and a gift that, you know, your mother's memory will not be lost. Your ancestors, hopefully for hundreds of years, will remember the incredible person she was and your sister. You know, that's a legacy worth preserving. Well, one of the things that, that still hurts is I remember sat there with the with mum in the hospital on the night she was diagnosed with cancer. And she turned to me and she said, I'm never going to see your kids grow up. You know, that, and that still hurts. You know, I can still, it's, it's as fresh as it was all those years ago. But what we could have done if we had Kilu back then, she could have recorded some messages about who she was and we could then play them for the future generations, you know. My mum had a wicked personality. She really did. And she, there's some stories that when I retell them, it brings her back to life. There's some key things she did, which to most people wouldn't mean anything, but to me, mean the world. So I think what we're trying to do with Keely is you, you might not record every single moment, but just capture some key memories because we've all got our own unique personalities. You know, I, I, I like to be quite sarcastic with my daughter. And as a result, my daughter is super sharp. And some of the things she writes down, I will actually just put down on a piece of paper and say, Alice, tonight you said this. <laughs> and it might, it might not mean anything to her now, but in the future, it will mean the world to her. And I've got all these, I've just, I've just had a clear up in the office, actually. I've got probably 100 hand-drawn pictures from when Alice was one right through to now. And we can't keep everything. You know, you can't keep, because otherwise your fridge will just collapse under the weight of hand-drawn paintings <laughs> and the magnets won't allow the fridge to work anymore. But <laughs> what you can do is actually grab a photo of that, put it into Kilo and put the time and date next to it and say, Alice, this was when you were one. And then you've got a video of the kids on the first day at school, the graduation, the wedding. You can start capturing key moments in a person's life. Otherwise, those key, moment, key moments just disappear. And all of a sudden, 10 years is blurred into 20 years, blurred into 30. And you realize that actually you haven't captured a lot of stuff. You've got all these photos on your phone, but you won't be in any of them because you're taking the photos. Or the person on the other side of it is taking the photos of you but there aren't any moments of you as, as a whole. So what I do quite often is I'll turn a camera around, grab a moment with me and my daughter, because it's so important you capture that one moment in time. And, and, and to me, that's one of the things I do. And I don't know many other people that do. Actually, instead of take a photo, grab a moment, capture, capture that key moment in time, record it, add it to Kilu, 
so that you can enjoy it now with your family. But in the future, that gift will be the most precious thing you can leave behind. So do you talk about this to folks that are thinking of using Kilu? How do you use Kilu? How do you create a legacy? What are the kinds of things you should capture? Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of stuff we're going to continue to add to, to the platform. Mm-hmm. Like the, here's a user guide. And here's how to add a video. Here's how to add a message. Here's, here's what people are adding to their bucket list. And most people want to see the Northern Lights or see the Grand Canyon, for instance. We can provide you with some prompts and some, some, some best uses of the platform. But loads of people go to it and just explore it in different ways, really. But it's all about the, 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 the mobile app makes it even easier. So you can, you're can you walking along, you've captured a, 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 an amazing picture, and you go, now that was a moment I want to record and store forever. So it's all about actually just, it's a really easy to use platform, but how can we make it even better, which is what the team continues to do. And one of the interesting things about it that you uh, mentioned to me, Ian, is that, yes, there are direct-to-consumer um transactions where people will get this for themselves to to leave a legacy to their family. But you also work with some professionals like estate planners and lawyers who have leveraged this to offer their clients, right? I mean, there's a there's a B2B kind of application as well, isn't there? Yeah. So we work with uh, financial advisors, solicitors, estate planners, uh, mortgage brokers. We work with charities. Um, we offer uh, Kilo completely free of charge to anyone who's being diagnosed with a terminal illness. So we work with organizations to provide that. That's something we've always been um, been a key part of who we are. We want to make sure we're constantly giving back. Uh, but yeah, we so we work with all these different organizations to provide a benefit, not only to them, but also to their clients, helping their clients to understand the importance of estate planning, getting their affairs in order. And it, I think one of the key things is it's, it's a great way to keep up to date on all your financial situation. So make sure everything's kept up to date because it's quite easy to have your will written and forget about it for the next 20 years, realizing you've had another kid and bought another property. So I think what Kilo does, it provides regular notifications and updates to say, hey, Gary, it's been six months since you added your will. Has anything changed? Or it's been 12 months since you added your insurance policy. Is this the latest one? So it's actually keeping you up to date on everything in your life. It's like a life management, life planning tool as much as it is that kind of legacy creation tool. That's incredible. So um, talk about some of the feedback you've received from Kilu users, because I'm sure you've received a lot of feedback. So what are people saying and how are they using it? What impact has it had on their lives? So unfortunately, a lot of the people who come to us say, I wish I'd have seen this six months ago or 12 months ago because I've just gone through this with mom or dad. I've not got a clue where to start. You know, it, it's that kind of situation. You have to normally have a trigger point go off in your life, which makes you understand you're mortal. And that might be you've just lost somebody you love. You've just been given a terminal diagnosis. You've just potentially bought a house. So there's lots of triggers in your life that make you understand the importance of getting your affairs in order. But the overwhelming response we get from a Kilo user is, I've got peace of mind knowing I've done all I can for my loved ones. And of course, all the information on our platform is completely encrypted. You know, no one within the Kilo team has access to it. The only person that will ever see that information is you as the account holder and those trusted contacts you've added to access it after you've gone. So it's, I think the key thing is actually this is, this is brilliant because I can deal with my affairs now knowing that I've done something incredible for my loved ones. It's just the ability, actually, to know those people receive that message in the future. So I'm just going to have a look behind me now and see where I put it. I've got a cassette tape here, which my mum left for me. Let me just see if I can pick it up. Uh, for you younger listeners, a cassette tape is the way that we used to record things before our phones did it all for us. <laughs> but, but here we go. This, yeah. this came before CD players and MP3 yeah. players. This is a cassette tape, and on this cassette tape, it says, Anne, Radio Cornwall. So my daughter came into the room, and she said, Dad, what's this? And luckily, she did break it. But on it is the only recording I've got of my mum's voice. Mm. And it's unbelievable, because my mum hadn't planned this. My, my daughter found it in my mum's my box, of, of uh, like my memory box. That's the most valuable thing I now own, above anything else, my mum's voice on that cassette. So what we've done is taken that forward because you don't need to use a cassette tape. Kilo allows you to store all of this information. You could be walking along and something amazing happens. You open up the Kilo app, you record that message to somebody you love, 
click save, click who it's going to go to, knowing that you have the peace of mind. The recipient is going to get that heartfelt message at some point in the future where it'll be the most valuable item I ever receive from you. And I want listeners to really understand how important that is. And again, I just go back to my great-great-grandfather, John Fairfax. I mean, uh, your daughter in the coming decade, she is going to remember you well. She's going to have, you know, yes, you've got the videos, but she will have memories. But you know, let's assume that she gets married one day and has kids and they have kids. There's going to come a generation that never met Ian Dibb, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, you will have died before they were born, maybe decades before they were born. And they're going to say, mom, dad, you know, I've heard of my grandfather, great, great grandfather, Ian. What was he like? And it's like, you know, I don't really know I was four when he died. I don't really remember him. I'm sorry. Well, they won't need to say I'm sorry. They'll be able to say, well, here, you know, he's a pretty amazing guy. Here he is, you know. Here he is with your your grandmother, Alice, you know. And your great-grandfather is helping your grandmother learn how to ride a bike. Now, how cool is that? And it's hard for people to imagine but that will happen. This is a gift that generations of your family and generations of other families will have. Does that, I mean, help people understand, I know this, maybe it's obvious, but why that's important and why for most of us, we just, we just do not have that in any way, shape or form. I think you only realize the importance of it when you can't access it anymore. So, so for me, that I knew where my mum grew up in Bristol. I knew, and, I, and so I did a little tour on Google Maps a few weeks ago, and I found the street my mum grew up in. And I, I zoomed in with a little orange man, and instantly, that looking at that house brought back hundreds of memories and moments that you, you know there's there's somewhere, but you need some trigger to kick them off. And unfortunately, I can't access any further because I've got no that, that line of my, that my family's life is gone. So I want to make sure that that there's photos. I, I, I every now and again I walk around the house and I do a full video of the house, knowing that Alice, when she's older, can go back into a house, follow that video, and see the rooms I've set up at Christmas. Because I want to make sure that information is passed on. So as you said, that, that when I'm 96 and Alice has got kids and I've got grandkids and all that type of stuff, they can actually see that. I wasn't always this 96-year-old. I was a, I, I, I traveled the world and I was just like they are because I kind of think that if you, if you look at it now, when we're looking at our grandparents, the photos of them are black and white and there's, not, there's no videos of them. And actually, it's very hard to, to associate yourself with something that looks so far away from you. But actually, if you look at people doing what, what they've just done with like these, um, like the World War II, they've recolored it. It makes it actually far more real now that it's in color. We can provide something incredible for our loved ones by providing dozens and dozens of videos and you can upload as many as you want to the platform, knowing that these are actually key moments that might that at the moment might seem quite silly. So I've got a video of myself and my daughter play fighting. And I turn the camera around because she loves to play fight, my little girl. And it's just a really special thing that when she looks back and she's 60, she can go, this is your granddad and me having <laughs> a play fight. And that would just be so special that... We're just trying to say, actually, just capture everything. Capture. It's not just when you when we used to have film cameras and the camera would come out at a special occasion. We now have these unique tools in our pockets that can capture videos whenever we want it. But what we do with those, how are we using those to curate a legacy? At the moment, they go into the iCloud account, and that's where we remain locked behind passwords and unavailable to anyone else. Kilo gives you the unique opportunity to curate that into a story for your loved ones for now, for them, forever, really. I want to do a couple things uh, here, uh, listener, before Warwick asks uh, what I'm sure is going to be a very good question. First of all, I want to say that sounds you heard uh, is the captain turning on the fasten seatbelt sign, which indicates <laughs> we've begun our descent of this episode, but we're not there yet. So you still got time to, um, to enjoy the flight. I wanted to... Um, add a personal story that that emphasizes exactly what you're talking about here, Ian, um, because I got a cassette tape too. 
um, after my mom passed away. My mom passed away more than 30 years ago. And uh, late in her life when she was married to my stepfather, my mom always liked to sing and she never got to do it when she was married to my dad. Well, my stepfather was an organist who played all around the region where we uh, live. Uh, where I have moved back to uh, in the last six years. So my mom would go out and sing with him at these places. And they would, in the garage, I remember, and it was embarrassing when I was like 17, because my mom would be in the garage with my stepdad and his organ, and they would be playing and singing. And my, my friends would be like, what is that? But they recorded cassettes that they sold. And when she passed away, one of them found its way to me. I then put it on my, you know, I, I digitally burned it. I have it on my phone, but where that has paid off, where that paid off, when I got remarried in 2017, uh, my mom obviously could not be at my wedding, but she was because I did a daddy-daughter dance with my stepdaughter to a song of my mom singing from that album. Wow. And that, mo I can't hardly talk about that moment now without getting emotional about it. And that's the power of what you're talking about. Those memories that move from memory to, to reality that you can then bring into life as you move forward. Um, that's, uh, that's a precious gift that you can pass along to your loved ones for sure. Warwick, sorry I interrupted you there a little while ago. No, no, that was <laughs> such a great, great point. So just as we close um gosh a couple of different thoughts i mean one thought i have i guess before i ask a question is um you know because my family the fairfax family in sydney were very prominent um we have more memories than most families prominent families seem to want to capture themselves for whatever reason uh, so as i said we've had a book written about my great great grandfather there are letters uh when we sold the house I grew up in, uh, which my dad was born in and died in back in the day when you actually were born at home, not in the hospital. There were all of these photographs going back to maybe the 1850s. And I looked, there were some from the early 1900s, 1920s. Obviously, I knew some of them. I recognized my dad and, and others. Um, he was in his late 50s when I was born. But there was a host of people around him. And I'm thinking, I have no idea who these people are, you know, because we're talking about 1890s, 1910 or something. And I felt this sadness. I wish, now some of them were family, some of them were the friends. Who were they? What were their stories? And even in my family where we have more photographs and memories than most, there was this sadness. So what you're doing with Kilu is preventing that kind of sadness you know, who were the family and close friends that really, as we close, I mean, you've obviously, you've moved on at least as best as you can from the grief of losing your beloved sister and mother. Talk about how what you do with Kilu and your life, I'm assuming there's some redemptive quality about what you do. I mean, obviously, your business is successful, it's well thought out, but just talk about maybe the sense, if that's true, of redemption, hope, to what you do now uh, brings to you? It's, it's everything. You know, the, 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 the saying that if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, it, it couldn't be truer. But we, we've, we work with some amazing people, some amazing companies, uh, not only in the UK, but the opportunity to work with people around the world. So actually, that you actually see different people at different stages in their journey as well. Now, if you look at where you are on a journey and you compare yourself to somebody who's never experienced it, you're obviously dealing with grief still. But then you look at people at the start of it who, who don't even know how to get out of bed because they've just lost somebody they love and they've no idea what to do. And from everything I do with Aquila, I believe that we should be the light in somebody's life and we should look back and lift people up and bring people with us. And everything we're doing at Keeley, we're doing that, but we do it on a kind of world stage as well to say it doesn't have to be this bad. It can be easier. And actually by just making little steps each and every day, Keeley doesn't have to be completed in one day. It's a journey. You can get to it over time. But for me, the experience of losing mum and Jane was a catalyst in my life to say, okay, now step up and make a difference. 
be the person who's going to change people's lives. Don't expect it to be done for you. And I, that's something that I absolutely love at Kilo is I have an opportunity. The team all, all share my passion and vision. We want to make a difference. We want to help people. And if people are struggling, actually look towards us because we've been, been there. We, we, we use a saying quite a lot, we care, we've been there. And that echoes for everything we do at Kilo, you know. We have under, we've been through the, we've been to where you've been and we've been through it and we are continuing to grow. And I always think that don't always look ahead of you, look where you've actually been and sometimes look around and you might think, actually, I'm judging myself against people who are out there partying and drinking and look super happy. But look, look around the other way sometimes. And there's people who are worse off than you that actually you can step out and help them to get to where you are. So for me, it's, it's very much a journey we're on. And I'm just really blessed to have had 28 years with, with Mum and Jane. That's far longer than some people have had. But from that, to be given a, a, a life mission to help others, I think it's, it's, it's actually been a blessing. I have been in the communications business long enough, and you've heard me say this before, listener, pretty much on every episode, that I know when the last word has been spoken on a subject. And normally I would say our guest has spoken it. However, I'm also in the communication business long enough to know when I've messed up and did not get, because I was so emotional in my last comment that I did not give our guest, Ian Dibb, the chance to let you know how you can find out about Kilu Online. Ian, how can people, you mentioned that domain names were easy to find, how can they go to one of those domain names and learn more about and even sign up for Kilu? So you can find us directly at kilu.com, which is K-E-Y-L-U.com. You can find us at Facebook forward slash uh, Kilu Life. Uh, you can also find us on LinkedIn as well. But yeah, it's it's we are easy to find. Please log on to the platform. Let us know what you love about it, what you don't like. Uh, we're on a journey. And that is the last word of our episode today, listener. So until the next time that we're together, um, do remember that we understand crucible experiences are inordinately difficult. Ian described one here today, two, a couple of here uh, here today for himself, and then also some crucibles that other people go through that he's worked with. They're painful. They knock you off your feet. They change the trajectory of your life. But they do not have to be the end of your story. In fact, if you learn the lessons from those crucibles and you apply them to your life moving forward, they can be the start of a new chapter, a new story in your life. And that story can be the best story of your life. Ian's just revealed it in what he's talked about here. Warwick talks about it every week in his own life. Because that new story, that new direction leads to a truly worthwhile, hope-filled future, and that is a life of significance.